Hey guys, welcome to SciTech podcast. This is Charu Kalra and today I'm going to tell you about biohacking. How biohackers are trying to upgrade their brains, their bodies and human nature. If you haven't heard about the term biohacking before, you have probably encountered some versions of it. Maybe you have seen Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey extolling the benefits of fasting intermittently and drinking salt juice each morning. Maybe you haven't heard about former NASA employee Josiah Zainer injecting himself with DNA using gene editing technology CRISPR. Maybe you have heard of Bay Area folk engaging in dopamine fasting. Maybe like me have a call have a colleagues who's had a chip implanted in their hand. These are all types of biohacking. A broad term for a lifestyle that's growing increasingly popular and not just in Silicon Valley where it really took off. Biohacking also known as DIY biology. It is an extremely broad and amorphous term that can cover huge range of activities from performing science experiments on yeast or other organisms to tracking your own sleep and diet to change your biology by pumping a younger person's blood into your vein in the hope that it will fight aging yes that is a real thing and it's called young blood transfusion more more on that later the types of biohackers currently gaining the most notoriety are the ones who experiment outside of traditional lab spaces and institutions on their own body with the hope of boosting their physical and cognitive performance they form one branch of transhumanism a movement that holds that human being can and should use technology to augment and involve our species some biohackers have science phd's others are complete amateurs and their way of trying to hack biology are as diverse as they are it can be tricky to understand the different types of hacks what differentiates them from traditional medicine and how safe or legal they are biohacking starts to appear more often in headlines and recently in fascinating Netflix series called Unnatural Selection it's worth getting clear on some of the fundamentals here are nine questions that can help you make sense of biohacking first of all what exactly is biohacking what are some common examples of it depending on whom you ask you'll get different definitions of biohacking since it can encompasses a dis- a dizzying range of pursuits i'm almost going to look at biohacking defined as the attempt to manipulate your brain and body in order to optimize performance outside the realm of traditional medicine but later on i'll also give an overview of some other types of biohacking including some that can lead to pretty unbelievable art dave asprey a biohacker who created the supplement of company bulletproof told me that for him biohacking 
the art and science of changing the environment around you and inside inside you so that you have full control over your own biology he's very game to experiment on his body he has stem cells injected into his joints takes takes dozens of supplement daily bathes in infrared rays infrared light and much more it's all part of his quest to live until at least age 180 one word aspray likes to use a lot is control and that kind of language is typical of many biohackers who often talks about optimizing and upgrading their minds and bodies some of their techniques for achieving that are things people have been doing for centuries like vipassana meditation and intermittent fasting both of those are part of dorsey's routine which he detailed in a podcast interview he tries to do 2 hours of meditation a day and eats only one meal that is dinner on weekdays on weekends he doesn't eat at all critics worry that dietary habits and has sound a bit like eating disorder or that they might unintentionally influence other to develop a disorder he also kicks off each morning with an ice bath before walking the 5 miles to twitter hq supplements are another popular tool in the biohackers arsenal there's a whole host of pills people take from anti-aging supplements to nootropics or smart drugs since biohackers are often interested in qualifying every aspect of themselves they may buy wearable devices to say track their sleep patterns for the purpose dorsey swears by the aura ring The more data you have on your body's mechanical functions the more you can optimize the machine that is you or so the thinking goes Then there are many of the more radical practices cryotherapy purposely making yourself cold neurofeedback training yourself to regulate your brain waves near infrared saunas they supposedly help you escape stress from electromagnetic transmission and virtual float tanks which which are meant to induce a meditative state through a sensory deprivation among others some people spend hundreds of thousands of dollar on on these treatments a subset of biohackers are grinders go so far as to implant devices like computer chips in their bodies the implant allows them to do everything from open doors without a fob to monitoring their glucose levels subcutaneously for some grinders like zolt istvan who ran for president as head of relish and rely on the technology he recently wrote in the new york times the electric lock on the front door of my house has a chip scanner and it's nice to go surfing and jogging without having to carry keys around istvan also noticed that for some people without functioning arms chips in their feet are the simplest way to open doors 
or operate some household items modified with chip readers other grinders are deeply curious about blurring the line between human and machines and they get thrill out of seeing all the ways we can augment our flesh and blood bodies using tech implants for them are a starter experiment second question why are people doing this what drives them to biohack themselves on a really basic level biohacking comes down to something we can all relate to the desire to feel better and to see just how far we can push the human body the desire comes in a range of flavors though some people just want to not to be sick anymore others want to become smart and strong as they possibly can and even more ambitious crowd want to be smart and strong as possible for a, as long as possible in other words they want to radically extend their lifespan these goals have a way of escalating once you have determined or think you have determined that there are concrete hacks you can use by yourself right now to go from sick to healthy or healthy to enhanced you start to think well why stop there why not shoot for peak performance why not try to live forever what start as simple wish to be free from pain can smo- can snowball into self improvement on steroids that was the case of aspre now in his 40s he think he got into biohacking because he was unwell before hitting 30 he was diagnosed with high risk of stroke and heart attack suffered from cognitive dysfunction and weighed 300 pounds i just wanted to control my own biology because i was tired of being in pain and have mood swings he told now that he feels healthier he want to slow the normal aging process and optimize every part of his biology i don't want to be healthy that's average i want to perform that's daring to to be above average instead of how do i achieve health it's how do i kick more ass zener the biohacker who once injected himself with crispr dna he has also had health problem for years and some of his biohacking pursuits have been explicitly attempts to cure himself but he is also motivated in a large part of frustration like some other biohackers with an anti-establishment streak he is irritated by federal officials purported sluggishness in green lighting all sort of medicine treatment in the us it can take 10 years for a new drug to be developed and approved for people with serious health conditions that wait time can feel cruelly long zener claims that that's part of why we want to democratize science and empower people to experiment on themselves however he admits that some of his stunts have been purposely proactive and that i do ridiculous stuff also i'm sure my motives are not 100% pure all the time 
the biohacking community also offers just that community it gives people a chance to explore unconventional ideas in non hierarchical setting and to refashion the feeling of being outside the norm into a cool identity biohackers congregate in dedicated online networks in slack and whatsapp groups we fast for example is for intermittent fasters in person they run experiments and take classes at hack labs improvised laboratories that are open to public for and attend any one of those dozens of biohacking conferences put on each year coming to next question that is how different is biohacking from traditional medicine what makes something count as biohacking persuit certain kind of biohacking or go far beyond traditional medicine while other kinds bleed into it plenty of age old techniques meditation fasting can be considered a basic type of biohacking so can going to a spin class or taking antidepressants what differentiates biohacking is arguably not that it's different genre of activity but that the activities are undertaken with a particular mindset the underlying philosophy is that we don't need to accept our body's shortcomings we can engineer our way past them using a range of high and low tech solutions and we don't necessarily need to wait for a double blind randomized placebo controlled trial traditional med- medicines gold standard we can start to transform our lives right now as millionaire sergey fagut who plans to live forever put it people here in silicon valley have a technical mindset so they think of everything as engineering problem a lot of people who are not in technical mindset assume that hey people have always been dying but i think there's going to be a greater level of awareness of biohacking once results start to happen rob carlson an expert on synthetic biology who's been advocating for biohacking since the early 2000s told me that to his mind all of modern medicine is hacking but that people often call certain folks hackers as a way of delegitimizing them it's a way of categorizing the other like those biohackers over they do that weird things this is actually a bigger societal questions who's qualified to do anything and why do you not permit some people to explore new things and talk about that in public spheres if it's taken to extremes the who's qualified to do anything mindset can delegitimize scientific expertise in a way that can endanger public health Luckily, biohackers don't generally seem interested in dethroning expertise to that dangerous degree. 
many just don't think they should be logged out of scientific discovery because they lack conventional credentials like a phd coming to the fourth question which is so how much of this backed by scientific research some biohackers are backed by strong scientific evidence and are likely to be beneficial often these are the ones that are tried and true bugged over centuries of experiment for example clinical trials have shown the mindful meditation can help reduce anxiety and chronic pain but other hacks based on weak or incomplete evidence could be either ineffective or actually harmful after dorsey endorsed a particular near infrared sauna sold by sauna space which claims it product boost cellular regeneration and fight aging by detoxing your body the company experienced a surge in demand but according to the new york times though a study of middle aged and older finnish men indicates that the health benefits from sauna there have been no major studies conducted of this type of sauna which directs incandescent light at our body so is buying this expensive product likely to improve our health we can't say that yet similarly intermittent fasting that dorsey endorses may yield health benefits for some but scientists still have plenty of questions about it although there are a lot of research on the long term health outcomes of fasting in animals and much of it's promising the research literature on humans is much thinner fasting has gone mainstream but because it's done so ahead of science it it falls into the proceed with caution category critics have noted that those who have struggled with eating disorders it could be dangerous and while we are on the topic of biohacking nutrition nutrition my colleague julia has previously reported on the bulletproof diet promoted as aspray who she says vilifies healthy food and suggests part of the way to achieve a pound a day weight loss is to buy his expensive science based bulletproof products she was not convinced by the citation claims citation for his claims what i found was a patchwork of cherry picked research and bad bad studies or articles that aren't relevant to humans he selectively reported on studies that backed up his arguments and ignored the science that contradicted them Many of the studies weren't done in humans but in rats and mice. Early studies on animals, especially on something as complex as nutrition, should never be extrapolated to humans. Aspray glorifies coconut oil and demonizes olive oil, ignoring the wealth of randomized trials. the highest quality of evidence 
that have demonstrated olive oil is beneficial for health some of the research is sites was done on very specific subpopulations such as diabetics or on very small group of people these findings wouldn't be generalizable to the rest of us now let's come to fifth question which is this all sound like it can be taken to extremes what are the most dangerous types of biohacking being tried some of the highest risk hacks can be undertaken by people who feel desperate on some level that's very understandable if you're sick and it's an inconstant pain or if you're old and scared to die and traditional medicine has nothing that work to quell your suffering who can fault you for seeking a solution elsewhere yet some of the solution being tried these days are so dangerous they're just not worth the risk if you have watched hbo's silicon valley then you have been already familiar with young blood transfusion as a fresher that's when an older person pays for a young person's blood and has pumped it into their veins in the hope that it will fight aging this putative treatment sounds vampiric yet it's gained popularity in silicon valley area where people have actually paid $8000 a pop to participate in trials the billionaire tech investor peter thiel has expressed keen interest as shavi lieber noted for vox although some limited studies suggest that these transfusion might fend off diseases like alzheimer parkinson's heart disease and multiple diseases these claims haven't been proven in february the food and drug administration released a statement warning consumer away from transfusion simply put we are concerned that some patients are being preyed upon by unscrupulous actors touting treatment of plasma from young donors as cures and remedies such treatments have no proven clinical benefits for the uses for which these clinics are advertising them and are potentially harmful another biohack that definitely falls in the don't try this at home category fecal transplant or transferring stool from a healthy donor into the gastrointestinal tract of an unhealthy recipient in 2016 sick of suffering from severe stomach pain zaina dedicated sorry decided to give himself a fecal transplant in hotel room he had procured a friend's poop and planned to inoculate himself using the microbes in it ever the public stuntman he invited a journalist to document this procedure afterwards 
He claimed the experiment left him feeling better. The fecal transplant are still experimental and not approved by FDA. The FDA recently reported that two people had contracted serious infections from fecal transplants that contained drug-resistant bacteria. One of the people died and this was in the context of a clinical trial. Presumably, a DIY attempt could be even riskier. The FDA is putting a stop to clinical trial on the transplant for now. Zainer also popularized the notion that you can edit your own DNA with CRISPR. In 2017, he injected himself with CRISPR DNA at biotech conference. Live streaming the experiment, he later said he regretted that stunt because he could let other copy others to copy him and people are going to get hurt. Yet when asked whether his company the Odin which he runs out of his garage in Oakland, California was going to stop selling CRISPR kits to the general public. He said no. Ellen Jorgensen, a molecular biologist who co-founded Genspace and Biotech Without Borders, two Brooklyn-based biology labs open to the public finds antics like Zainer's worrisome. A self-identified biohackers, she told me people shouldn't buy Zainer's kit and not just because they don't work half the time. She she's professional and she couldn't get it to work. But because CRISPR is such a new technology that scientists aren't yet sure of all the risk involved in using it, by tinkering with your genome you could unintentionally cause a mutation that increase your risk of developing cancer she said it's dangerous practice that should not be marked as a diy activity at genspace and biotech without borders we always get the most heartbreaking emails from parents of children afflicted with genetic diseases Jogon said They have watched this Josia Zena video and they want to come into our class and cure their kids. We have to tell them this is a fantasy that is incredibly plain, painful. She, she thinks such biohacking stunt give biohackers like her a bad name. It's bad for the DIY bio community, she said. because it makes people feel that as a general rule we are irresponsible they are all those biohacking persuades illegal are they let's that is our sixth question existing regulation weren't built to make sense of something like biohacking which in some cases stretches the very limits of what it means to be a human being that means that a lot of biohacking persuades exist in legal gray zone frowned upon by bodies like the fda but not yet outright illegal or not enforced as such
as biohackers transfers uncharted territory regulators are scrambling to catch up with them after fda released its statement in february urging people to stay away from young blood transfusion the front the san francisco based startup ambrosia which was well known for offering the transfusion said on its website that it had ceased patient treatments these sites now says we are currently in discussion with fda on the topic of young plasma this wasn't the fda's first foray in biohacking in 2016 the agency objected the zener selling kits to brew glow in the dark beer and after he injected himself with crispr the fda released a notice saying sale of diy gene editing kits for use of for use on humans is illegal zener disregarded the warning and continued to sell his bears in 19 2019 he was for a time under investigation by california's department of consumer affairs accused of practicing medicine without license the biohackers i spoke to said restrictive regulation would be a counterproductive response to biohacking because it will just drive the practice underground this aids better to encourage a culture of transparency so that people can ask question about how to do something safely without fear of repressor according to jorgen sen most of the biohackers are safety conscious not the sorts of people interested in engineering a pandemic they have even generated and adopted their own codes of ethics she herself has had a working relationship with law enforcement since the early 2000s at the beginning of the diy bio movement we did an awful lot of experiments with homeland security she said and as far back as 2009 the fd at uh, the fbi was reaching out to diy community to try to build bridges Carlson told me he's noticed two general shifts over the past 20 years. One was the 2001 after the anthrax attack when Washington DC lost their damn minds and just went into a reactive mode and tried to shut everything down. He said as of 2000 or 2005 the FBI was arrested people they were arresting people for doing biology in their homes then in 2009 the national security council dramatically changed pers- perspectives it published the national strategy for countering bio- biological threats which embraced innovation and open access to the insights and material needed to advance individual initiatives including in private laboratories in basements and garages now 
though some agencies seem to think they ought to take action but even if there were clear regulations governing all biohacking activities there would be no straightforward way to stop people from pursuing them behind closed doors this technology is available and implantable anywhere there is no physical means to control access to it so what would regulating that mean carlson said next question is one of the most vicious types of biohacking is life extension that attempts to live longer or even cheat death entirely what are the physical limits of life extension some biohackers believe that by leveraging technology they'll be able to live longer but stay younger gerontologist aubrey de grey claims people will be able to live to age 1000 in fact he says the person who will live 2000 has already been born the great focus on developing strategies for repairing seven types of cellular and molecular damage associated with aging or as he calls them strategies for engineered negligible senescence his non-profit to that is methusela foundation has attracted huge investments including more than 6 million dollar from the thief it aims to make 90 new by 50 by 2030 wondering whether they day grace goals are realistic i reach out to genspace co-founder oliver medvedic who earned his phd at harvard medical school and now directs the canberra center from for biomedical engineering at cooper union living to 1000 it's definitely within our realm of possibility if we are a society that doles out money to fund research we deem worthy decide we want to do it he told me he's optimistic he said because the scientific community is finally converging on a consensus about what the root causing of aging are damage to mitochondria and epigenetic changes are a couple of examples and in the past 5 years he has seen an explosion of promising papers on possible ways to address those causes researchers who want to fight aging generally adopt two different approaches the first is the small molecule approach which often focuses on dietary supplements medvedic calls that the low fruit the low hanging fruit he spoke excitedly about the possibility of creating a supplement from a plant compound called fistin nothing that a recent myoclinical trial suggests high concentration of fistin can clear out 
senescent cells in humans cells that have stopped dividing and that contribute to aging the other approach is more dramatic genetic engineering scientists taking this track in mouse studies usually tinker with a genome in embryo meaning that new mice are drawn born with the fix already in place medevic pointed out that's not very useful for treating humans we want to be able to treat people who are who have already been born and have begun to age but he sees promise here too he cited a new study that used crispr to a target hutchinson gilford progria syndrome a genetic disorder that manifests as accelerated aging in a mouse model it wasn't a total cure they extended the lifespan of these mice by 30% but what i was very interested in the in the fact that is was delivered into mice that had already been born is also intrigued by potential not pharmaceutical treatment for aging related diseases like alzheimers for example the use of light stimulation to influence brain waves but those probably won't help us out any time soon for a simple reason it's not a drug you can't package and sell it he said pharma can't monetize it like many in the biohacking community medvedic sounded a note of frustration about how the medical system holds back aging anti-aging progress if you were born to come up with the with a compound right now that literally cures aging you couldn't get it approved he said by the definition we have already set up aging isn't a disease and if you want to get it approved by fda you have to target a certain disease that just seems very strange and antiquated and broken biohackers also include people who engage in diy activities without experimenting on themselves what's that form of biohacking like not everyone who is interested in biohacking is interested in self experimentation some come to it because it because they care about bringing science to the masses elevating the climate crisis and making art that shakes us out of our comfort zone my version of biohacking is unexpected people in a, in unexpected places doing biotechnology jorgensen told me for her to emphasize is on democratizing cutting edge science while keeping it safe the community labs she's helped to build genespace and biotech without borders offer class on crispr technology to edit a genome but participations participants work on the genome of yeast never on their bodies some people in the community are altruistically motivated 
they want to use biohacking to save the environment by figuring out a way to make a recyclable plastic or a biofuel they might experiment an organism in making in makeshift labs in their garages or they might take a genespace class on how to make furniture out of fungi on paper out of kombucha experimental artists have also taken an interest in biohacking for them biology is just another palette the artist oron katz and lonard zer from the university of western australia were actually the first people to create severe up lab grown meat they took some starter cells from a frog and used them to grow small sticks of frog meat which they fed to gallery goers in france at a 2003 art art installation called disembodied cuisine most recently alexandra daisy jensberg has used old floral dna to recreate the smell of flowers driven to extinction by humans enabling us to catch a whiff of them once more and the summer a london museum is displaying something rather less fragrant cheese made from celebrities yes you heard that right the cheese was created with bacteria harvested from the armpits toes belly buttons and nostrils of famous people if you are thoroughly grossed out by this don't worry the food won't actually be eaten this bio art project is meant more as a thought experiment than as dinner now let's come to our last question at its most extreme biohacking can fundamentally alter human nature should be should we be worried when you hear about people genetically engineering themselves or trying young blood transfusion in an effort to ward off death it's easy to feel sense of vertigo about what we are coming to as a species but the fact is we have been altering human science since the very beginning inventing agriculture for example helped us transform ourselves from nomadic hunter gatherers into sedentary civilization and whether we think of it this way or not we are all already doing some kind of biohacking every day the deeper i delve into biohacking the more i think a lot of discomfort with it boils down to simple neophobia a fear of what's new not all the discomfort mind you the more extreme hacks really are dangerous as one of my colleagues put it to me 40 years ago test tube babies seemed unnatural a freak show curiosity now in vitro virtualization has achieved mainstream acceptance will biohacking undergo the same progression 
or is it really altering human nature in a more fundamental way a way that should concern us when i asked carlson he refused to buy the premise of the question if you assert that hackers are changing what it means to be human then we need to first have agreement about what it means to be a human he said and i'm not going to buy into the idea that there is one thing that is being human across the sweep of history it's odd to say human are static it's not the case that humans in 500 were the same as they are today that's true nowadays we live longer we are taller we are more mobile and we marry and have kids with people who comes from different countries different cultures a profound departure from old customs that has nothing to do with genetic engineering but that's nonetheless resulting in genetic change still biohackers are talking about making such significant changes that the risk they carry are significant too what if biohackers upgrades don't get disturbed even evenly across the human population what if for example the cure of aging becomes available but only to the rich will that lead to an even wider life expectancy gap where rich people live long longer and poor people die younger medvedic dismissed that concern arguing that a lot of interventions that could lengthen our lives like a supplement wouldn't be expensive to produce there is no reason why that stuff can't be dirt cheap but that depends on what we do as a society he said insulin doesn't cost much to produce but as a society we have allowed to come allowed companies to jack up the price so high that many people with diabetes are now skipping life-saving doses that's horrifying but it's not f- function of the technology itself here's another risk associated with biohacking one i think is even more serious by making ourselves smarter and stronger potentially even mortal a difference of kind not just of degree we may create a society in which everyone feels pressure to alter their biology even if they don't want to to refuse a hack would mean to be at a huge professional disadvantage or to face moral condemnation for remaining sub optimal when optimization is possible in a world of superhumans it may become increasingly hard to say stay merely human the flip side of all this is the perfect race or eugenic specter jorgensen acknowledged this is a powerful set of technology that can be used in different ways but better think 
about it and use it wisely so that was all guys it was my first longest podcast about science tell me in the comments what do you think about biohacking would you do that to your body in near future so yeah that was all i hope you guys enjoyed this is me charukara signing off